0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. In the words of Douglas MacArthur, I or we have returned. Uh, we're back. Yes, it's
1: been uh,
0: it's been a while. It has been a while. And uh, one one thing after another led to not being able to record together. So I'm, I'm happy to have Tony back uh, with me uh, virtually anyway. Uh, in our current circumstances, isn't almost everything virtual at the moment?
1: <laughs> I it appears so. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if you uh, were still local, we would be meeting anyway. So no, this we probably is
0: better. we would not yet. Yeah, for those who don't know, I have moved out of the area Tony has been left to defend uh, the big metropolis there, so I have taken our services uh, out of the area and trying to stake a flag somewhere else. So, I I talked last week by myself about Tom Brady, and we can touch on that later if you'd like.
1: Oh, sure, I'd love to talk about Tom Brady. <laughs> because
0: who doesn't? Unless you're a Patriots fan, who loves to talk about Tom Brady? Uh, but I, I, thought, I think we have to talk about... COVID-19, but not necessarily in the disease part of things, because that's that's for somebody else to deal with. I really wanted to talk about your feelings towards the Trump administration's response, uh, the criticisms, are they valid or not, and just where that takes us. So do you think he's been doing a good job in the last two weeks? I mean, prior to that, I don't know that he was necessarily taking it seriously. Do you think he's been doing a good job so far? Do you feel calmer? less calm, more calm than you did two weeks ago?
1: I mean, that's it's a difficult question to answer because I have multiple perspectives on this. I do think just as always, initially, Trump in his bombastic way said things, uh, let's just say that were are not uh, factually accurate necessarily about, you know, the virus. And I, I mean, I'm In reading the bulk of the criticism that he has received, which, by the way, and we'll talk about this, Mm there is literally nothing he could be doing that they would not criticize. True. So, I mean, let's say that first, that it doesn't matter at this point. They could pre-write or have (laughs) Anthony Fauci write down a list of everything he should be doing. Trump would implement it, and the media would say all of that is wrong. So that's that's fair. That's the first issue here is that the the people that are reporting on this are not honest brokers. So you can't take seriously anything they're saying as a critique. And that's one of the problems. They have so degraded the profession of journalism that now in a crisis, when the public is relying on accurate information, um, no one, certainly no one that is paying attention can trust them to report accurately or fairly about this president, which is a real issue because we need factual reporting. But let's go back to, so the main critique was Trump is underplaying this. Uh, Trump is not taking it seriously enough. Trump has said things that are not accurate. I think that that is a fair criticism, at least initially. Mm -hmm. However, going forward, I guess what I would want to know is if someone is saying he's still not doing what he's supposed to do, what specifically are they talking about? Because for instance, one of the big problems that we have had, and I guess we're trying to catch up to the curve here, is we didn't have adequate testing out of the box. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of reasons for that that I've been reading about, including the fact that you know this was delayed, the CDC did not have enough kits. Again, this is all being laid at Trump's feet, mm-hmm. but from what I've read, that has nothing to do with him at all. We're trying to ramp up. And I think we're making progress, but we were lagging behind other countries in our ability to get testing done to Mm -hmm. determine what percentage of the population in various areas is infected. So if if my overall grade for Trump is basically probably – I don't know, C plus, and I'm not sure – and remember, this is not in a vacuum. So for instance Mm – Someone's going to need to tell me what another president, the (laughs) utopian optimal president like Joe Biden, would have been doing instead that is so much better. I haven't actually heard what that alternative version of events is. Have you?
0: I have not heard the alternative version other than they would have done it better. They can't specifically say what they would have done better, but they would have done it better. And I, I think Trump's failings come from three years of him being Trump where he says things that aren't always factually accurate. He says the bombast, he we're the best, we're the greatest. We're going to do this better than anybody else would do it. And it's, it feels like a rah, rah speech when he's talking. And I, I kind of disregard those because I feel like that's what they are. They're not, they're not really hitting me emotionally where I go, wow, I was, I was energized coming out of that talk. Cause I never am when he talks. I feel like it's always a stump speech or a a, a rally. You no, know, regardless of where the speech is, it's always a rally. And that gets old after a while. And I can understand some people getting frustrated with that. I don't know I know he said I think it'll burn out by the by the spring or the early summer. And it may still do so, but it just feels like he his reactions are delayed. You know, like You can see it happening. You see, maybe I should have been a little more confident. I'm going to be very blunt here because I I don't, and I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know these things. You're
1: not an epidemiologist. I am not an
0: epidemiologist, epidemiologist, and I'm not sure that I really care what they have to say because I don't think (laughs) epidemiologists really are the, the scientists you think they are. I believe this is a flu. I believe it's a virulent strain of flu. I believe China has lied from the beginning about their numbers, what's happened, and and did not slow the spread. I don't know what would have slowed the spread of this, but if I keep... I know you read Powerline, and you can see what they keep posting. The number of deaths from flu this year worldwide far exceeds COVID-19. Now, that's all the strains of flu. It's not just one strain, so... You got to take that in context, but we are, we are shutting down the world or at least the United States portion of it for something that is less virulent right now than the common flu that we get every year. And I don't say that in light saying, well, we shouldn't do anything because I think we should, but every time somebody coughs near you, you get the impression, Oh, I wonder if they have COVID-19. I, I'm not sure. They might have COVID-19. But if somebody coughs and they have a fever, it doesn't mean COVID-19. It doesn't even mean that if you have been traveling internationally to Iran for some reason, you traveled to Iran. I, I really don't understand why anybody would be traveling to Iran, but maybe there are some people. I don't I don't feel like this, this warrants shutting down the world and isolating ourselves in our homes any more than a normal flu season does. I think the same type of people are susceptible as they always are. And we should do everything we can to protect those people from having issues or contracting the the virus. But do, do you disagree with me? If you do, that's fine. I don't know how you feel.
1: No, I, well, this is, this is the interesting thing. There's a couple of issues here. One of the things that we have now seen is that let, let's talk first about experts. Yes. Okay. so, <laughs> Obviously, we need to listen to people who are medical experts relating to physiology, Mm -hmm. how the disease works. Okay, there's a reason that they have studied and trained and are credentialed in those areas. However, their expertise is limited, Mm -hmm. meaning – and I've talked about this before in the context of other experts where we elevate people, make these appeals to authority – uh, because they have expertise in a certain area, but yet we're expected to listen to them about substantive matters that are clearly outside their expertise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for instance, you've, I've used this example before. You have somebody like a Paul Krugman who who's an economist, and yet we're supposed to listen to his so-called expertise when he expounds on social justice issues and Mm -hmm. the Green New Deal because he's a quote-unquote expert. Mm -hmm. Or someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I believe is an (laughs) astrophysicist, who's also talking to us then as if he has some sort of intellectual superiority in areas far afield from what he knows. Now, in this context, you have a lot of, of doctors, epidemiologists, people who are specialists who are taking the position that, well, you need to do everything that we say, up to and including implementing specific economic, disastrous economic policy reforms, right? Mm-hmm. We uh, To your point, we need to shut down everything. Mm-hmm. Well, they're now outside the scope of their expertise, and there are other people and other issues that need to be listened to and considered. The thing that I don't like right now is there seems to be this attitude that – How dare you question, how (laughs) dare you even bring up sort of a what are the trade offs here? What do we actually know, for instance, about transmissibility of this disease and fatality rates? One of the things that we clearly don't know, which people are pretending to know, is they are projecting potential fatalities based on models Mm -hmm. with incomplete information. What do I mean by that? They're essentially using a straightforward exponent and saying, Let's say, look what's going on in Italy, right? And they're mm-hmm. saying this many people have died. And therefore, since we we can, let's assume a factor of 2.4 for every person that's infected, they infect two to three other people, right? Yeah. And then they're applying that same exponent to potential fatalities. But we don't know what that denominator is because yeah. we don't know actually how many people are infected. And so that causes massive statistically Egregious disparities in what we're actually looking at in terms of projected data, right? So sure, sure. the difference between a three percent fatality rate across the U.S. population and a one half of one percent fatality rate is massive. Three yes. percent is is a is a crisis. It's an emergency. One half of one percent, to your point, it puts us basically in the range of a normal flu season. Mm-hmm but we are making dramatic long term decisions about what we're doing to our economy what we're doing just you know culturally shutting everything down and we don't even know yeah so i'm fine for people to push back on that and say if their position is we just need to take every precaution possible okay But the countervailing view to that is these other decisions are going to impact people's lives as well, causing people to lose businesses, causing people to not have access to their health insurance because they lose a job. These also have massive cultural individual effects, and you can't just push them to the side and say you just need to listen to the experts because the experts don't have (laughs) adequate information to be making these kind of decisions.
0: Well, I think this is where a president – is supposed to lead the entire country, not just the experts for medicine or the experts for economics. They are to do both or, or multiple. They might even do other aspects of this society. I I read uh, Governor Cuomo's statement that if, all, if we do all this and it saves even one life, it's worth it. And then I saw a famous blogger that you and I both know saying, I can't believe that people are criticizing that. If it saves even one life... You To your point, the economic impact could lead to more lives lost. Now, I don't know how many that is, whether it's from suicide or from uh, homelessness or something like that. But you can't say the entire world should stop to save one life. Now, as a Christian, I would say yeah, we would do everything we, we should
1: evaluate, do. We do not evaluate any other risks based on that metric. Because Correct. if we did... And it becomes nonsensical if you think about it this way. Well, then since we have hundreds of thousands of traffic fatalities, mm-hmm. we sh- if we just banned cars, we could clearly save far more than just one life. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if we have many children, tragically, that drown in pool accidents every year, if yeah. we just banned swimming pools, mm-hmm. we could save one life. That is, again, that is a sort of emotional, morally preening response Mm -hmm. that does not actually address the legitimate trade-offs that have to be considered. It's essentially a way to tell people to shut up, right? Yeah. yeah. We are morally superior. How dare you? You want people to die? No, but in a rational rational discourse about this, those other trade-offs, those other consequences, their impact... Has to be considered. That doesn't mean that you can. You still wouldn't come down on the side of. You know what? We've determined that all of these things that we're doing are necessary. That's a fair position. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing more and more is that you're not even allowed to discuss this. No. Right. No. It's just how dare you? Who? Who do? Who do you think should be infected? Well, who do you (laughs) think should lose their livelihood? Yes. Right. And and go bankrupt. And of course, the other thing is they talk about the economy right they talk about the economic side of this as if it has no human cost whatsoever exactly right if it's just just about a bunch of money yes but that's not true at all
0: not even remotely well so going back to cuomo's statement if we save him one life the lieutenant governor of texas says i would gladly give up my life to have an economic future for my grandchildren and that's criticized so you can't get it either way. I'm willing to give up my life for the, the future of my grandchildren, but we have to save every life. For what? I mean, if there's no economic future. I, now, take this well, with a grain of salt. Is, the other
1: point is this is not sustainable. Okay, no. So, for instance, how long are they going to say that this has to last? And the answer can't be, well, just indefinitely. Yeah. No, no, because we're <laughs> going to very soon have to have a conversation about um, what is going to be the signpost, what is going to be the criteria upon which those who are claiming the economy must remain shut down would be willing to say we're going back to status normal. Because I, uh, right now,
0: I don't think there is uh, one.
1: You could see this foreseeably going on for two, three, four, five, six months. And again, if the answer is, well, we're just not going to discuss it. That is not an acceptable response in a nation of 330 million people where you have the prospect of if these kind of shelter-in-place orders continue, if these do-no-official-business orders continue, you're going to destroy, destroy the livelihoods and the futures of tens of millions of people. That's not an exaggeration.
0: No, it isn't.
1: The idea that we're not supposed to even have a discussion about number one, the basis for doing that, right? Because this right. is all, again, this is being modeled based on projections mm-hmm. with incomplete information. If we're not even allowed to discuss whether there is not a better approach, whether or not we should have a more targeted approach where, for instance, we know the at-risk populations here are, are essentially people who are older and people who have comorbidities, meaning they have health other health risks that place them into a high-risk category. Maybe we have to have a discussion about we're going to have very stringent things going on with those populations in certain areas, but we're not going to expand this to the 80% of people that our best information tells us are very unlikely to contract this disease. Those are conversations that have to be had. Mm-hmm. And anyone who is saying you just need to be quiet or try to morally shame people into not discussing this are really not interested in having a good faith debate.
0: Well, I, I think. If you talk to certain medical people, they would say years of isolation to make sure it burns out and it's all gone. But that you, you're effectively and saying. That gets back to, right. Yeah. The economics. That
1: gets back to my point, though, that they are merely one voice. Right. You can't and just they, listen to them from a medical perspective. Yes. If you're just going to ask a doctor, what would you prefer? Of course, mm-hmm. they're going to say that. But theirs is not the only Expert opinion that matters can't and be. Those factors are not the only thing that count,
0: and, and it can't be. And it, and I'm hearing rumblings. Well, this could be worse than the Great Depression, which took you know until the start of World War II to even get us out. No thanks to FDR and his ability to make it worse. I I do believe that we're into this is week two, right? Effectively, or for most people, it's week two of uh, social distancing, which Prior to this, I had never heard of and didn't care to, and still don't care to know about. I'm still going to work because I'm considered essential personnel. I assume you're not going to work because you're not considered essential personnel. Correct? The courts are probably shut down, are they not?
1: Right. Our, I mean, our office is you know officially, is yeah. officially closed. We're working you know remotely.
0: Sure. I mean, you're doing work, but you're. I mean, the reality is this can go on for a time. But uh, I'm honestly, I don't know how it can go on much longer and still survive. I mean, we're having runs on toilet paper for reasons nobody can explain other than I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to get toilet paper. Uh, Price gouging on toilet paper. Now, hand sanitizer makes some sense. Although, and, and please, I don't want any hate mail or hate messages about this. If we don't know what kills the virus, is washing my hands with antibacterial soap, and it's a virus, it's not a bacteria, really doing anything other than making my hands clean for the virus. It's it's We're doing actions that in in and of themselves really don't make any sense, but we're doing them because it's I feel like we're in control. And I'm sure the toilet paper is the same thing. I can get a roll of toilet paper, so therefore I have control. I don't know why, but I've got mounds of toilet paper in my house, but nobody can have it. So I, the, the irrationality of this process, again, this has killed less worldwide than the flu did so far this year. than the common flu that we, we all try to get our shots for. I understand each of us has people in our family who are in high risk categories, younger, older, it doesn't matter. We've all got yeah. somebody in our family who's considered a high risk category so we want to protect them. We want to keep them away from them. My grandfather's 93. He turned 93 on Monday. And we've been socially isolated from him because, you know, you don't take him out. You don't you do not do things because you don't want to put him at risk. But at what point is his life is saying, well, I don't get to see anybody. What, what am I doing? You know, I'll take the risk. And that's what I think everybody will eventually have to come to the conclusion. But also the employer's. Am I supposed to keep paying my employees who aren't working, aren't producing any measurable amount of work for me? Or do I just say, okay, you're laid off. And what's that do to the economy there? I mean, the the unemployment system is being swamped right now nationwide because people are just saying, you're laid off. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. This is not a solution. And I, I do believe... Trump is reacting to the criticism because he has to, up to a point. But I also believe, I I think the media is complicit in this hysteria because I believe 30 years ago you wouldn't have had this.
1: They're complicit. They're they're an absolute disgrace. And um, for all of the pointing out that, you know, fine, Trump said certain things that were incorrect, just go take a look at literally the lies that they have Mm -hmm. intentionally told about the things that Trump has said, which he actually didn't say, perpetuating the idea that he said the virus was a hoax. Never said that. What he was saying was that, you know, the the idea that this was somehow his problem is a hoax. I mean, they've done this repeatedly where the New York Times was caught the other day, uh, you know, tweeting out this, some some quote, and I forget exactly what it was, where they literally cut off like the section of his statement that made it clear that what they were saying is the opposite of what he intended to say. And this behavior, given the, the you know, the emergency that we're in, the severity of this situation, and the fact that they still persist in this is, is contemptible. It really is. And so that's why when I hear all their squalling about the fact that Trump can't get the facts right it's like (laughs) look in the mirror people yeah you are worse you're worse than he is because all you're trying to do when we had the press conference the other day where you had like four consecutive questions asking him okay this is supposed to be information to the american people about what's going on right about the status of the disease about relief efforts and he gets four questions about why do you keep calling it the chinese virus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that, is, that demonstrates the level, the lack of seriousness of these people and also their, their absolute mendacity in terms of what they're focused on. Their focus remains how do we use this to destroy this guy, not how about we set aside our ridiculous agendas and just get the information that the people need in America to understand what's going on. But they're, they, they're incapable of that at this point and again it's a problem because how they want to say you can't trust anything trump says why would anyone trust anything the media reports at all well, there should be I no reason I don't, I don't trust a single thing that they report
0: and you shouldn't and i, I this harkens back for me to 911 in a different way but it was all, we're all supposed to come together until November, you know september 12th when it was partisan again we we well we got to get what we want because we got to take this crisis this, I believe, I don't believe the media created the COVID nineteen virus. I that, I don't believe that, and, and it didn't just of pop up not. out of that. But I believe they're perpetuating it, and I think there is a, I think there is a reason for that because the Democrat, the two remaining Democratic candidates, three if you call Tulsi Gobbard maybe, are trying to make it seem like they are the solution, although. At this point, I'm not even sure people remember the Democrats are running because it, it effectively nobody cares right now what's going on. But I think if they can tank the economy, that helps them in November and it hurts Trump. Well, they and no, they know that I
1: think it does. I, I mean, that would be the received wisdom. I'm not sure whether that's actually true. In other words, he, he, the polling for Trump remains maddening to them. Sure. Because. He actually, in recent weeks, certainly in the last week, is his polling is up. Yeah. And so the normal, the conventional wisdom is, if you're in an economic crisis, the economy is in a downturn, and we certainly are having, you know, massive convulsions with the stock market. I mean, if things are not good. Mm-hmm. That would appear to be very bad for the incumbent, and yet that doesn't really seem to be playing out. It. One other point I want to make, and I think this is significant. Um, this whole idea about you're not allowed to call it the Chinese virus, you're not allowed <laughs> to call it the Wuhan virus, yeah. here's the thing. Is that issue in and of itself important? No, it's not. What is important, however, and another area where the media has, has completely and utterly failed, is to make sure that everyone understands that the Chinese government, Okay, the communist totalitarian Chinese government is the primary reason that the world is now dealing with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? Because for the first month, and you alluded to this, and if anyone's interested, mm-hmm. I would encourage them, there's a number of articles available, but if you can find a piece that was written by Jim Garrity at National Review, and it's not an opinion piece, it's literally a list of the timelines from December through February of exactly what the Chinese government knew, what they hid, what information they destroyed, what doctors they silenced over the course of a month, mm-hmm. it is staggering. And so the idea that we're just supposed to ignore the fact that had they been truthful, had they not, they they knew that there was human to human transmission of this, I think by early early January, I don't have the dates all in front of me, but it's all sure. documented. Right, They silenced the doctors that wanted to report this. Mm-hmm. They told them to destroy the testing samples. They continued to put out propaganda that there was no human-to-human transmission. And this went on for weeks. And then they allowed a lunar festival, <laughs> right, a yeah. wet-market lunar festival with thousands of people. They allowed them to attend and then disperse across the globe by the millions out of Wuhan and so the fact that we're not supposed to mention this somehow is, is the most perverse form of gaslighting that I can think of. <laughs> you better believe that we should be mentioning this, and you better believe that there should be international repercussions for that regime yeah. because what it demonstrates is, and we know this even though people have to deny it, totalitarian countries don't care whether people die. Yeah. What they care about in terms of their government is propping up the existing power structure and making sure, no matter what propaganda and what lies they have to tell, that they survive. Mm-hmm. So I have no patience whatsoever, none, zero, with anyone who is telling me or telling people, you need to stop talking about China. <laughs> it doesn't, no, it absolutely doesn't. It's racist, does Tony. It's racist. The truth, the truth matters, yeah. and they are the ones that have caused this. Now, does that mean that we focus on that rather than trying to eradicate no. the problem? No. no, but but the idea that that should not be mentioned is is absurd.
0: Well, it's there needs to be a reckoning when everything has been recovered to say, okay, you're a bad actor on the world stage. You knowingly allowed this to spread and didn't didn't tell us. Now, some have pointed out that well, maybe that's you know it's a form of Biological warfare. I don't think it went that far, but I think their negligence in notifying the world community allowed it to spread and it, no, shouldn't it wasn't happen.
1: negligence though. That's the thing. Well negligence suggests that it was that it was a mistake, that it was an accident. This was where? an intentional hiding, suppressing of the truth, because they simply didn't want people to realize what had happened. And then of course the World Health Organization This is the other interesting thing. Part of that timeline lists the things that the World Health Organization was saying to the world, relying entirely on the Chinese communist version of what was going on. The first question is, why would anyone do that? Why would anyone trust that information uncritically? And then number two, why would you continue to perpetuate that information knowing that it was essentially false had you done any due diligence whatsoever, because there were people that already knew that mm-hmm. this was going
0: on. Yeah. Well, and, and we, it remains to be seen what the total outcome is of this. And I, am not, I'm not hopeful that we're going to have make a fast recovery. And I am very, very concerned. I'm concerned about the, the people that die and the people who are affected by this, but I'm very concerned about the economic impact and may and, and and Trump's being criticized right now because there's a report out by CNN that he's asking the world for help with supplies. And what about America first? Well, any idiot can see that you, if you need something, you ask for help. It doesn't mean you're weak if you ask for help, but that's he's being criticized even for that. So well, it's what you said before. Are
1: the same people. Aren't these the same people that insisted that? this is the reason that we really shouldn't have, you know, the whole con the icky concept of nation states. We all live in a global village. Yes. It's all a big commune. Yes. right? So this should actually be the kind of thing that they would love. Yep. Reaching out to all of our well, does across the globe. Trump's but, doing but again, it. So it's bad. This is it, anything that he says or does. Yes. Their reaction is going to be, that's wrong.
0: It, yeah. Whatever you, whatever he does is the wrong thing. Regardless if I had agreed with it yesterday, it's the wrong thing. Cause he did it and that's the wrong way to approach this you can say what he's done well you can say what he's done poorly and you know there's a lot of lot of both uh, I, I just feel like this is we need to I'm leaning towards the economic side of things right now because I think the scientists can and the doctors can deal with the other stuff but man i I am I am very very concerned with the economic repercussions because I think in 2 weeks our country has almost ground to a halt i mean there's still i'm driving i'm on the road every day i'm traveling around i have seen a marked decrease in traffic which you should but man it's not that's not good i mean how long until people say i'm not showing up for my essential job i'm not going to show up and deliver groceries who where are we going to get food if if the Truck drivers say we're not we're not traveling. We can't go anywhere and we don't want to get infected. So we're not traveling. We're not taking groceries. Now what? What do we do? We have no backup plan for this stuff. Not not that you not no. that you ever could, but what do we do? That's
1: why that's why I say there there has to be a vigorous national conversation with all viewpoints expressed, talking about All of these, all of these different trade-offs and the people that are saying that you just need to be quiet and shelter in place and listen to your political betters, so to speak. I'm sorry. I I don't accept that. I don't accept that view at all. And again, I'm not, I'm not minimizing this. I I do think certainly for, you know, at-risk populations, this is clearly in my view, more serious than it's not the average flu. No, agreed. Uh, But that doesn't eliminate, that doesn't just give people license to say, now you need to be quiet and do what we tell you. That's, yeah. just, not, that's just not how it works.
0: Well, let's, let's use our, our governor, Governor Wolf. He, he basically chastised the state. He said, I gave you a chance and you didn't do it, so now I'm, I'm closing stuff. Well, wait, you're not know, my father. And he says, I, don't, I, I know economics are important, but I care about human life more. Well, that's easy to say if you're loaded, which he is. It's easy to say, I don't care about the economics. I care about human life because it makes him, again, what Cuomo said, I care more about people. Therefore, I'm better than you. But uh, to what point do you say, Okay, it's been two weeks. Is three weeks enough? Is four weeks enough? I don't know what the number is, but this can't continue. I mean, we're two weeks in and I really don't honestly know how much longer the economy can handle this. You're right. The stock market's crashing. And again, it hasn't it, crashed, but it's close. The closed. point
1: is, it's not it, it really the money part of it, which is important, yeah. is ancillary. Correct. It, It's not It's not the money. It's the human cost related to all of the things that will be associated with the kind of hardships that people are going to have to deal with. And you know what's fascinating? What? Is that generally when we talk about these sort of, okay, let you know, issues relating to the economy. What is the argument? This is the argument you hear from the people that are now demonizing Trump about essentially, you're just worried about, you know, capitalism and wealth at the expense of lives. But isn't the argument that they make all the time when they say we need more funding for this? Mm -hmm. We need is essentially that if you don't give people the ability to have jobs and that has a human cost, it takes a toll, right? Right. And so for some reason, they have now completely abandoned that philosophy which applies across the board when they're insisting on government right free stuff for everyone because yeah. it matters because they need it and now all they want to say is no 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 the economic side of this is irrelevant <laughs> you know it's human lives at stake but their argument is completely the opposite in the context of their preferred policy outcomes outside of this situation so they have no credibility whatsoever when they make that argument
0: and nor sure that and I, touching on the Senate bill that finally got passed last night or this morning, I guess it was. Well, did it? Well, well,
1: yeah, it got passed in the Senate. Right. But now, now of course there's more, I was reading today that uh, there's more potential, uh, you know, suicide bombers, so to speak, who are going to, who are going to crash it in the house.
0: Well, and that that's my point. So after nine 11, it was, we're all together. We're all together until the point where we weren't together, which didn't take long. This is, this is a, a country divided. You can't look at it any other way, and whether you agree with the economic stimulus that they're talking about, and I, I'm not convinced that you know $1,200 per adult is really going to make that much of a difference for very long. But let's say, okay, why is it okay? And I saw this cartoon today as well. Uh, Nancy Pelosi impeached Trump for withholding aid to Ukraine, but couldn't be bothered to get it aid to the u.s of our own money it's it's our again it's our money not their money i mean they contributed to because they pay taxes but a lot more of us paid taxes than them why is it such a hardship and why do you have to add 1400 pages of crap to the bill why why do we have to well i know why but how can you sit there with a straight face and say the Republicans are holding this up. Why? Because they won't vote for your garbage that you added to the bill. That's not the Republicans fault. Now I'm not saying the Republicans are perfect in this matter, but they you're saying you can't give a bonus to executives. If you take this money and the emissions from the airlines have to decrease by 50% and you have to have diversity no, that- on your board. Come on. Come on. This
1: is, this is the wrong manual. Yes. This is the manual. Don't let a crisis go, let a go to waste. <laughs> And so I think, number one, um, again, this this demonstrates just the the almost breathtaking cynicism of people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, where we are in a legitimate crisis. And what do they do? They use it as an opportunity, as like essentially a a, a goodie list Mm -hmm. for all of their pet causes that have absolutely nothing to do Mm -hmm. with with basically providing relief for coronavirus. And so, oh, no, we we need, uh, we need enhanced collective bargaining power for public sector unions. We need part of our Green New Deal cult edicts. We need uh, literacy programs for the LGBTQ community. We need 60 pages on federal election mandates. I mean, it goes on and on. We need $35 million for the Kennedy Center. They basically <laughs> use it as an opportunity uh-huh. to stuff in every one of their usual pet causes. And yet these people are going to trot out and lecture everyone else about how Donald Trump is not taking this crisis seriously. Yeah. Again, they're, they're contemptible. They they just,
0: and I I would love to see somebody in the media point that out, not Fox news, but somebody in the media say, you know, uh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a, a lifelong liberal, but you know, stop pontificating and get your job done or get out of the way. So somebody else can. I mean that's that's what I look at. You you can't say you care about me as you're not caring about me. I need relief today, not when you get around to it because you got all your other stuff. It, it just it's it's embarrassing. Well, if you want to
1: see a, a real time, if you want to see a, a very illustrative real time exercise in how you know the media shapes the news when when they first uh, torpedoed this. Mm-hmm. The New York Times, and you can, there's actually, you can look this up. There's snapshots of their, you know, above the fold page one headline. The first day this happens, the headline is basically um, Democrats, you know, stall the relief package, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second day, it says the same thing. But clearly, you know, the memo got (laughs) sent to the appropriate people that you can't say that. That's bad for our team. And so by the third day, the headline had morphed from, The factual reporting of this, which is Democrats stall, halt the relief package to partisan bickering, (laughs) halts the relief package, right? So it's constant need to shape the news in a way that doesn't reflect badly on their their fellow travelers. And this is the reason that nobody takes them seriously,
0: nor should you. I I heard Ben Shapiro say the other day, said, you know, when you look at politicians we're supposed to take you seriously because you're in power he said not by and large most politicians are idiots because they're in politics they're not out there saving the world they're not out there doing good for humanity they're in politics so when you look at them you shouldn't be saying oh wow look at them they're so much smarter than me because they're not they're they're the lowest common denominator of of human beings sometimes because they're just politicians regardless of the level local state federal doesn't matter when you're in politics and you're a lifelong politician when your job on the, on your taxes as politician i can pretty much ignore what you're saying most of the time because you're not really speaking for me you're speaking for you and your your constant need to continue in power i get tired of that i get real tired of that because i don't I don't like the rah rah. I don't like when Trump does the rah rah, and I don't like when somebody else carries water for some for a politician who says I care about you as they continue to not care about me. Because I assume they don't care about me, regardless of your words, because your actions show me you don't care about me okay? over and over and over. So this is no different. Let's change a little bit. I think oh, I ahead. think
1: this one was I think it was a major. It was a major miscalculation. Um, and I think people are going to remember this. I hope so. They they think you know. One of the reasons that I think they did it is because they generally feel secure, mm-hmm. you know, that their vanguard in the press is going to cover for them, but because of the unprecedented nature of what's going on now and the level of, you know, fear and the fact that this is whether or not it'll end up as, you know, justified in terms of the level to which we've treated this as an emergency, you know, people are generally, genuinely afraid mm-hmm. and, to watch a political party basically torpedo a relief package that had been formed you know through a bipartisan effort wasn't perfect sure. out of again just sheer political opportunism i think people are not going to forget that
0: and i hope you're right i hope you're right and that leads us to does does this help biden and or sanders in the slightest or is it really just they're still treading water and nobody knows which way is up?
1: I don't think there's anything that can help. Well, first of all, it's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden, okay. or I guess maybe Andy, you know, Andy Cuomo to the rescue. Now that's the latest. <laughs> yeah, that's the latest. Uh, oh boy, we need because I mean, let's be let's be candid about this. Uh, having now watched some of Joe Biden's recent performances, including Ooh. this disastrous, or you know, where they attempted to have some kind of. Uh,
0: Town hall. I don't know what what it was. <laughs> virtual town hall. Yeah,
1: he video where he was addressing the crisis, and then the teleprompter broke, and he looked yeah. like he had been wandering the halls of the convalescent home and didn't know where he was. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not saying this jokingly. The man's mental faculties are deteriorating in front of us. Yes. Um. You know, I heard all this about Trump, right? You know, w- when he was first inaugurated, the 25th Amendment. He's he's you know he's lost his mind. He's crazy. Right. But if you watch Joe Biden. Uh, You know, how many times repeatedly forgetting the office he's running from running for mixing up his wife and his sister. like this is not these are not one offs. These are not outliers where, look, presidential campaigns are exhausting. People are going to have verbal slip ups. If you listen to this guy and watch him, this is a man who is his faculties are simply not there. They are in real time deteriorating. I question whether he can actually make it through a general election campaign in terms of actually being able to, you know, respond under pressure uh, in a debate. And I think really, in some respects, this has helped him in the sense that they can just keep him in mothballs well, less yeah. they, they basically this is like weekend at Bernie's. They want to get <laughs> him propped up in a chair to election day without having to talk or say anything, the the less that the American public sees him in many respects, the better. But I'm not sure how you win a presidential election using that strategy.
0: Well, I, I think the Democratic Party is going to prop him up because the alternative is Bernie Sanders. And, and I was talking to no, somebody the, about the, this.
1: the alternative is not Bernie
0: anymore. Well. He's done. He, he should be done. He's done. He should never. He's not a Democrat. Even in any... The, the farthest reaches of what you call a Democrat, he's not. He's jerked the party to the left, but he's not a Democrat. He runs as an independent, yet he's running for president as a Democrat. I, I guess I would say if I'm yeah. the Democratic Party, i go, no, you're not a Democrat. You register as a Democrat, then we'll talk, but you're not registered as a Democrat. You can't run as a Democrat. It's not possible. So you're, not, you're out. But you're right. He's no right. longer think, a viable so, option.
1: Only, the only conversation that is now being had at the highest levels within the DNC and the movers and shakers, and I think this is a conversation that is seriously ongoing, is because these people are not stupid. Can we actually use Biden? Can Biden make it to the finish line? And I think there's a lot of people, you know, the James Carvils of the world, even Barack Obama, watching this and saying, we need another. We need another guy to step in. Bloomberg didn't work no. for a variety of reasons. The Cuomo thing I think is a is it is an increasing possibility right now because Biden is so frightening in terms of this guy can't even stand up for thirty seconds and a pre planned appearance and speak intelligently or coherently. So it's a real issue for them.
0: So here's the question then. Unless Biden drops out. They get to the convention. Cuomo hasn't is even on the ticket in any states. Oh, he has no. Look, fee. That's just a better, delegates.
1: They will make it happen. Okay, so let's, whenever they he, has no do, no. in, he
0: has no name recognition now. He has no national name recognition. Well, Maybe he's, he's getting a little you know, bit now, a
1: governor, but uh, he's the governor of New York, so the name recognition will take care of itself. Probably. Believe me, if if the if the if the people that basically run the party decide that Biden has to be, you know, thrown out of the plane. Um, They will make they will make whatever needs to happen occur so that Cuomo is the nominee. Now, I'm not saying that right now that's likely. I still think it's likely that they're going to roll with Biden. But if between now and let's say June or July, he continues to have these kind of meltdowns where you can't hide it, then I think there's going to be a serious conversation about somehow replacing him. They
0: they have to. Yeah, I th- I have a different theory. I think they're going to ride this horse into the ground, saying he's a better option than Trump, and the running mate is going to be picked for him, and it's going to be one of. It's either going to be you know Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris or, Harris. or Elizabeth Warren or uh, Amy Klobuchar somebody. It's Not going to be Warren. I don't think so, but I don't think he's going to have a say in it. They're going to say no, he's and, not, and then you're. If he wins, they'll say, "Okay, Joe, it's now time for you to resign and let let the adults play." Now you can go off and the play in the backyard. I I, I yeah, really think, resign. hey, twenty fifth amendment, baby. If they could use it on Trump in any, any legitimate fashion, it has to apply to Biden. It has. To, can we invoke the twenty fifth amendment before Biden even run even gets into the general election? Because you're right, the the man has lost it. And I think, unfortunately for Andrew Cuomo, his brother is Chris. That's not a positive in most cases. So <laughs> that I mean, what does Ben Shapiro call it? the block of wood Cuomo?
1: <laughs>
0: well, his father was Mario. Mario was more more well liked than the Cuomo brothers, but I I don't know or what I think doesn't uh, Trump call him Fredo? Go Somebody <laughs> Fredo Cuomo. Yeah. Chris, Chris
1: doesn't, no, no, Chris doesn't like
0: that. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't, he very, but he <laughs> it's not a positive. It's a pejorative, yeah. but I, I'm not sure that Andrew Cuomo is the answer. I don't know who the answer is. I, I truly don't. I don't think they have, they wouldn't be in this situation if they had an answer. So anything they, they throw out is a lifeline trying to say, well, okay, that wasn't good. Is there, is there room for another Hillary to the rescue? No. I can't imagine how well to save us from Biden or at least the Democratic Party from Biden I I, I think she's spent I I, I just don't don't think there's any there's any level of uh, excitement around Hillary at this point I I could be wrong she's
1: political political poison Um, no matter how much she continues to have delusions that she's she's potentially viable to step in and I'm sure you know she in her fevered alternative universe she still thinks that she's done she she's she is a spent force um you know the clintons behind the scenes still wield influence within the party yeah. but in terms of an actual candidate it's over for her i really think right now the decision for them is can we drag joe biden's you know barely functioning uh corpse across the finish line and again this isn't just me like I don't think any fair-minded person, whether you're even if you're a hardcore Democrat, can watch him and not think to yourself, "This man is not in any position, no, okay, to be to be." Okay, they say that about a Trump, but in terms of his actual mental faculties, mm-hmm. what he appears to be right now is a man in significant decline.
0: Yeah, I agree. And
1: I think if, if you're somebody who is a Democrat who wants to remove Trump at all costs, you've got to be deathly afraid that this guy is the standard bearer at the top of your ticket.
0: Well, I think because they were concerned about Sanders first.
1: Most people that are not rabid partisans are going to look at him and say, are you serious? Yeah. Like, huh? th- this guy doesn't know where he is.
0: But Don't you think they were more concerned about stopping Sanders at any cost? And then they realize, oh, wait a minute. Right, that was, the best option is was, not a great was, option.
1: That was the first emergency, and then they, they're they now starting to realize, oh, my goodness, what are we left with here?
0: Do you, you think the run-of-the-mill Democrat who said, I'm undecided, saw that field, do you think there was anybody that's dropped out to this point that they really legitimately thought had a chance? Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Mayor Pete. Did, did any of them legitimately have a chance to... To win this thing, because I just don't—I I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, I, the, the Republicans in twenty sixteen had a field of seventeen, and I at least felt like there was a couple people who legitimately I could see as presidential. Trump not being one of them, but end up being the result. I there was nobody on the Democratic side. I said, "Yeah, I can see this person making it the whole way." I, I, I just couldn't. Am I wrong? Well,
1: I've said this before. One of the reasons that someone like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, the reason they didn't have a chance is because they are—they all sprinted so far to the left mm-hmm. that they frightened the people that would even be potentially, you know, the necessary swing voters for them. E- even if they had lied, right, which was the normal—that's the normal tactic—just exactly. <laughs> pretend that you're not an extremist <laughs> and hope that the rubes in flyover country don't catch on. Uh, but. They 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 position themselves in such a way that they, they their positions were so zany, so you know beyond outside of being outside of the mainstream that for a general election, people would look at them and, and scream in fear. You know, we're banning fracking. We want open borders. We want you know felons to vote. We want free everything for everyone, including illegal immigrants. It's just crazy town. Mm-hmm. If any of them had had the ability to even moderate those positions, even falsely, just just to posture themselves as someone that is recognizable within the continuum of a political mainstream, they might have had a chance. But none of them were willing to do that because they're so enthralled to their base that they couldn't.
0: I think this COVID-19 crisis really, really hurts the Democrats for that exact reason, because people are willing to give out they're willing to be generous when everything financially for them is good, but coming out of this, it's not going to be financially good for a lot of people. And they're not going to say, Hey, I'd like to give the guy who's got a college degree from Harvard. I'd like to give him money as I'm barely able to pay my mortgage. Cause I was furloughed for a period of time. And I, I might get kicked out of my house. I'm really not interested in giving you more money or somebody who says, I'd like to give away the farm to whomever simply because they feel like it. You know, I I really think that harms their message.
1: Yeah. The other thing that that something like this does is it focuses the mind, meaning the issues that actually matter. People are looking at that. Yeah. Economics. Right. Can my can my family pay the bills? Um, And so all of their pet you know, well, we need to ban, you know, we need to ban cows and cars and, uh, (laughs) Oh, by the way, how does the whole open borders infatuation look right now?
0: Exactly.
1: Right. That really isn't going to play well in Peoria right now because that's the other thing. Remember when Trump banned, you know, banned travel from China, what was the initial reflex? Oh yes. Awful. It's xenophobic racist. How dare you? And yet interestingly, because Again, it doesn't take an epidemiologist to figure this out. When you have a virus and human-to-human transmission, it's probably best not to have people coming and going from all parts of the globe who we don't know whether they're infected or not. So their entire kind of worldview about borders or icky, that really is blown apart. When dealing with this kind of situation. And gee, shocker of shockers, what are all of these countries now imposing oh, across course. Europe, everywhere? Yeah. yeah. You can't freely flow across borders because that's going to hasten yep. you know, the exponential curve here of people becoming infected.
0: Well, I, th- I think if you look back biblically, lepers, there was a reason lepers were isolated away from everybody else. You didn't walk into the room with certain people because you knew they were highly contagious and you could develop the same problem. So you don't have to talk about banning travel. I'm not walking into a room of people who are deathly ill or Chernobyl. Did you watch the miniseries Chernobyl? Probably did. No. You know, I'm not walking into the cooling water at Chernobyl just because you say so. Like, I think I'll pass. I don't care if you fire me. I'm probably not going in there. You just don't do that stuff because it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. So why being criticized for banning flights in and out of China? Well, that seems like a common sense thing. I don't I don't get caught up in the xenophobia because it really makes no sense. You, you keep the people who are sick away from the rest of us, and you treat them you You deal with that, but you don't bring them in and say, hey, "Hey, I know you I mean somebody's got a runny nose and they're coughing all over your arm you you go out to shake their hand, of course you don't you you don't do that, so this is no different, and I think that's he did the right thing and i kind of wish he would have done it a little sooner, uh, but of course, it required the Chinese to be honest let's yep. let's finish up with Tom Brady because you and I didn't talk. I put out a brief podcast last week just about my thoughts on Tom Brady, and my ultimate conclusion was. He left the Patriots because he wasn't happy with Bill Belichick because you don't go to the Bucks because for more money, because the money's not the issue. Or it hasn't been 20 years into your career. I don't think money becomes the overriding fear at this point. He's got all the endorsements he needs. Whereas we're going to get, he's got six championships with a team. He just left to go to a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2007. i Bruce Arians, you can like Bruce Arians, but Bruce Arians has never won a never won a Super Bowl as a coach. You you disagree with that, or you agree with me? Something's going well, on. Joe, there.
1: I agree with what that it was
0: it was sure. Belichick. I mean, it, it, I, I can't imagine any other reason to leave. I think Kraft would have given him the money he wanted, whatever it was. Uh, it has to be Belichick. There's no other rational reason to me.
1: Well, I slightly disagree with that. Okay, I think. I think Belichick plays into it. I read an interesting piece um, in the Athletic. Uh, Mike Lombardi mm-hmm. wrote it, who is a former GM in the league, and now he's kind of a, you know, an expert on NFL things. And it was pretty perceptive. And the point that he made was essentially that Brady and the Patriots became a victim of their own success, meaning sooner or later you just become fatigued and tired no matter how successful you've been over that number of years, to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the, you know, the Belichick way, all of that stuff at some point starts to become tiresome and people just want some sort of new opportunity, just a change, Mm -hmm. right? It's very difficult. The point he made was, in many instances, success is harder to replicate and in, huh. and, and is, is difficult to continue over time just because of the natural progression of, of things. People can't be motivated the same way, right? People are tired of listening to the same speeches by Bill, uh, <laughs> you know, tearing everyone down, the, the whole Palpatine approach to how he coaches. And at some point, Lombardi's theorizing was, Brady just said, I've done this long enough. Like I, I just, I want an opportunity to go somewhere else to hear a different voice, to hear a different system, to see what I can do at the end of my career. And it essentially was almost inevitable. And in fact that Lombardi argued that it was amazing that they managed to keep it together this long. And I think he's, I think he's basically right about that.
0: So, but if you're Brady, why wait 20 years? Seriously, why wait 20? If you, I got to believe Belichick wore thin by day two, let alone 20 years. Uh, you, 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 when you're 21, well, because- 22, it's maybe you can, oh, okay, it's fine. But when you're in your mid-30s, you going, gee, i really kind of sick of hearing that again. I don't want to hear that.
1: Yeah, but, but you have to balance that against the fact you're sick of it, and this is what these are the like the competing tensions. If you're a guy like Brady, who's as driven as anyone who has ever Mm -hmm. played the sport, you're still winning championships. Mm -hmm. So it's that it's the weighing of, can I put, put up with this for another year because we have, you know, an 80% chance of hoisting another Lombardi trophy, but at some point that is no longer enough. And it's a different it's a different inflection point for each person, right? Yeah. Brady lasted as long as he did. Uh, they won six championships, but he got to the stage where I think he had realized, I'm just I'm just kind of done with this. I'm over it. I don't have that many years left, even though I know he thinks he's going to play till he's 64, uh, <laughs> and he wanted a, a new opportunity. And I do think there has to be part of him has to be part of him, and I think Belichick is driven the same way that this is now an experiment where he can show it was me.
0: I know. Right? I believe that. But, yes. But
1: chicken. In the egg. Is it, is it the mastermind coach or is it the hall of fame QB? Well, if Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and takes them to a super bowl, that's going to be a fairly significant validation that, you know what? Probably Tom Brady was the key component of that recipe. On the other hand, if you know, if the Buccaneers go nine and seven, cause they have a pretty good team. I mean, they're, they're pretty talented. Um, and, and Bill Belichick, you know, plugs in whoever it is uh, at QB and the Patriots keep rolling along, win their division and get to the AFC championship game. There's going to be a lot of conclusions drawn about who was the primary driver of this success, fair or not, in the wake of this.
0: So the question becomes 20 years in, you're tired of Bill Belichick, just retire. I mean, you're 42. What are you waiting for? What, what do you, have, other than I've got an overwhelming desire because I'm the I'm Michael Jordan here and I just got to prove everybody wrong because I got a chip on my shoulder about everything. Is that is that the only thing motivating this guy to keep playing at 20, 20 years in the league playing football? We're not talking about 20 years as a baseball player. 20 years as a football player getting hit every other play.
1: Yeah, but what do you, what, I mean, again, so he's still healthy. He still thinks he can play at a high Is level. he? And
0: I don't know if he healthy. is or not. He says he is.
1: What? Is he healthy? I
0: mean, he didn't look too I often wonderful reason. against the Titans. And when they exited, he looked like he was not hitting things correctly. So maybe he's hurt and we don't know it.
1: Well, your offense was, was struggling. I mean, sure. he, last year was a big struggle for them. Yeah. Um, and Brady had, had one of his poor seasons for a variety of reasons. And maybe, you know, maybe that is part of physical decline. He didn't have a lot of offensive weapons. But again, I think from Tom Brady's perspective, if you can somehow in the next two years get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back to a Super Bowl, you want to talk about a, a capper to a career that already is almost universally hailed as, you know, the greatest of all time. I think that has tremendous appeal to him. And he loves, look, who wouldn't, he loves playing football. Right. He yeah. gets to run out every day in front of millions and millions of people at the highest level, continue to play a game that he you know, he's played since he's been a child who wouldn't want that to continue as long as possible.
0: Well, that's fine. But I know he's a legacy guy as well. And you retire 20 years, of the same team. You win six championships. You're you're held up as probably the greatest of all time. You win six championships and then go to another team and stumble around, kind of like Peyton Manning did his last season, even though they won a championship. Are you diminished? Because I don't think so. Do you think
1: anybody anybody holds it against Peyton Manning in terms of his legacy that in his final season? But he had to win.
0: He uh, he had to win.
1: Touchdowns, had 17 interceptions, could barely pass the ball 25 yards. Nobody cares.
0: Nobody cares because they won. But if Tom Brady plays no, two I more years, care. Emmett Smith in There's a, in a Cardinals uniform, does, does that diminish him? Does
1: anyone, anyone think that because Michael Jordan played two years for the Washington Wizards, never made the playoffs, uh, even though Jordan actually played incredibly well for as old as he was? Yeah. Does anyone say to themselves, well, you know what? I thought he was the greatest of all time, but those two seasons with the Wizards have kind of ruined his legacy. Nobody says that. Probably Nobody not. even
0: cares. But Robert Parrish is a Charlotte Hornet. That that was pathetic. He was the chief, and he looked pathetic when he was playing for the Hornets his last season.
1: Yeah, but Robert I, Parrish. Robert he's not Parrish Michael Jordan. I know that.
0: I know, I know. I, I just, I, I, feel like it diminishes him a little bit. And then the the, the bigger question to me is, why the Bucs? He he could have gone to oh, anywhere that had like an open Bucks? spot. What's that? Because the Bucks, the Bucks
1: have a, a pretty good nucleus. I mean, if you look at their team, they have a lot of offensive weapons. They've got a coach who knows how to get the best out of quarterbacks, and their defense—they—they they just re-upped Indomik uh, and Sue. Mm-hmm. I think the Bucks have a very good chance of winning 10, 11, 12 games next year. I wow. really do. They are not that far. Uh, when you survey, you know, the NFC. From being a legitimate playoff contender, am I saying that they're like the Super Bowl favorites? No, but they have talent on both sides of the ball. That is not a team that is a reclamation project. They, if you plug in Brady and he plays well. They're right in the mix.
0: Well, I don't disagree with that. I, I think he certainly is an upgrade from Jameis Winston, um, who has more wins at the end of the, the season. The Bucks or the Patriots?
1: That is a very interesting question.
0: It's the box. Um, it's not an. It's an easy question. The Bucs. because who's under center for the Patriots? Brian Hoyer? Really? <laughs> Seriously? It'll be,
1: it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't think. I don't think that Belichick would roll the dice on somebody like Cam.
0: Oh, I wouldn't.
1: I think the Patriots still win at least ten games next year.
0: I think. I think they'll win the AFC East because apparently nobody but the Patriots can win the AFC East, at least I think the Bills gonna win the AFC East. I think they have, I think the Bills are the only ones right now that look like they could challenge them. The jets don't look like that. And the dolphins don't look like that, no. but who knows? I could be totally out of left field. I think the Bucks will have more victories than the Patriots because I do believe Brady is an upgrade. Even a, even a diminished older Brady is an upgrade from Winston, even though Winston had statistically a better year uh, by far than brady did last year i i think he's definitely well, he's an, upgrade. an upgrade
1: over winston because he's not sure. going to throw 30 interceptions that that's that's why he's enough
0: yeah i can't imagine i mean if he throws 30 interceptions he's really diminished far from what he was at the end of last season which could happen it happened to peyton it was like overnight flip the switch boom he's he does not look like a quarterback any longer
1: yeah but it wasn't here's the thing though it didn't really happen to peyton overnight the guy had had four different surgeries on True. his neck True. He was in obvious, you know, physical decline. There's nothing that suggests that Tom Brady has a fork sticking out of his back right now. So <laughs> I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play very well. I well, think both teams are going to win somewhere around ten or eleven games.
0: You could be right, and that will be. So who do you pick? Who's going to have more victories, the Bucks or the Patriots? You got to pick one or the other.
1: I think uh, the Bucks by one. By one. Bucks game.
0: by one. Okay. Uh, we shall have to see if that's if there isn't even is a season we have to see uh, Yeah,
1: which is which is an open question
0: yeah somebody said baseball might be delayed but i i didn't know they still played that game so i was unaware that that was still out there uh that will anger one of our listeners but he knows my feelings on baseball so. oh,
1: how cruel of you to say that
0: <laughs> hey uh, i if it's not football season it's it's the off season for football that's what's that's how i look season? at it what's that
1: if it's not football season, it's cricket season, right? That's uh, your next favorite sport.
0: Probably. it. I don't know what the season is for cricket. <laughs> so <laughs> it might be. I don't know. Right now probably isn't, but I don't know what the normal off season is for cricket. <laughs> rugby. It's probably rugby.
1: You're you an avid, avid cricket watcher.
0: Yeah, no. I, to be fair, if, if you've never watched a cricket match, don't because you will be you'll be uh, bored to tears uh, how long they take they can take uh, well, days
1: one of, our, one of our potential potentially occasional listeners will will differ with you
0: i am sure that that occasional listener will differ with me but i have watched cricket i could not watch i, I could not live watch days of crick of the same match i think there has to be a time limit on a match before you go okay i'm done i can't do this anymore not me it's not like it my, does require
1: an extended attention span
0: uh, the ability to sit for a long period of time i just can't do it it's like watching olympics but it's when one match <laughs> what's that you can picnic yes <laughs> a sticky wicket that's that's all i know from from cricket
1: you can, you can be in your rv you can come in and out you n- not this much <laughs> you can trill, and yes you won't you know you'll you can catch up to what's going on
0: yes it's like a weekend event but you don't have to worry about going to in multiple teams the same players i don't know do they give them ivs to, to deal with the, the length of the games? <laughs> i just don't know <laughs> sorry i'm uh, offending a lister sure. but i can't i can't help it i'm sorry i just i don't i don't understand why cricket is so popular other than it's a british import to all the former colonies <laughs> except ours uh i guess that's how it works
1: it's a very very jingoistic of you
0: <laughs> yes very jingo thank you for bringing that i'm very xenophobic too <laughs> throw that out there anything else you want to throw in there Tony
1: no I don't other than and I, I don't really have anything to say other than I'm very pleased that Philip Rivers is now going to be the Colts quarterback I and um, I think he will play very well for them yeah. behind an actual line that is not uh, <laughs> comprised of dead people and I think the Colts <laughs> are now probably one of the top three teams in the AFC
0: I, when I saw that, I thought, I think the Colts could be a surprise in the AFC because of him. Uh, Assuming that the reason he was constantly getting sacked was the line and not him. And I do believe it was the line and not him, but uh, I think they, they upgraded completely. They had
1: the worst offensive line. They had the worst offensive line in the NFL last year and, and by far the worst tackles, which are kind of the most important guys, particularly for, uh, pocket quarterback who runs like a three-legged, uh, you know, <laughs> dog. Um, but he will now be playing. He will now be playing behind one of the top five lines in the league. Yeah, uh, That's what he needs. If yeah. you give him any time in the pocket, uh, he was one of the five best quarterbacks in the league in 2018. Yeah, And then, and that was behind a, a, a terrible line as well, but it went from terrible to putrid and he couldn't <laughs> function at putrid. He's now going to be playing behind excellent. Yeah. And I fully expect the Colts to win, uh, you know, again, if there's not barring injuries and all sorts of things, if that team stays intact, they've got a good defense. They don't have a ton of weapons at wide receiver, but I think they may deal with some of that in the draft. I think the Colts win 12 games.
0: Oh, with the AFC South.
1: Yes. Ooh. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk next week about, um, just the the astounding uh Bill O'Brien uh trading <laughs> trading one of the three best wide receivers in the league for a bag of corn nuts or whatever he got back, David Johnson incredible. I,
0: I all I can say is I have never been a Bill O'Brien fan and I think his his coach his head coaching skill set has shown me there was no reason to be a Bill O'Brien fan. I have not seen anything that explains why that man still has a job.
1: That 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 trade is beyond is beyond stupefying. Have you do you know what the um have you ever heard of Conquest's three laws of politics?
0: I have not. Go ahead. Okay,
1: so uh, th- this is th- the third law. Conquest's third law of politics is that uh, the easiest way to understand the behavior of any bureaucratic organization is to assume that it is controlled by a cabal of its enemies. Okay? okay, so if you if you then extrapolate that to football world, Bill O'Brien, um, the the way to understand the Texans' behavior in that trade is to assume that Bill O'Brien is an enemy of the Texans and is actively trying <laughs> to sabotage the team because that is the only way that trade can be understood. It, it, it's it's mind boggling.
0: Well, isn't that what they said about Bill Belichick against the Eagles in the Super Bowl that he he must have been had bet on the Eagles to win. <laughs> that's the only reason he behaved the way he did at the end of that game or throughout that game. It, it could be right. Maybe Bill Bell, maybe Bill O'Brien is trying to angle to become the Patriots offensive coordinator and hoping Josh McDaniels finally leaves. You think that's possible? Is yeah, that what I he's don't. Doing? I mean, makes no sense.
1: just think of what what is the message that sends to your best player, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Deshaun, guess what? We just we we just got rid of uh, your the guy that you target 30 percent of the time who is who might be who might be the best wide receiver in the NFL. And in return, um, including giving away a fourth round pick, we got a running back who hasn't had a good season in three years. uh, Who's been on the injury uh, list. Uh, How how excited are you, Deshaun, for that development? I'm sure Deshaun was wearing a party hat and blaring his kazoo after he found out about that.
0: I am sure that that is the opposite of what he was feeling, but Hey, I'm not Bill O'Brien. I, I'm, this may come back and be the best thing they ever did, but it doesn't seem like it'll be the best thing they've ever done. But Imagine Hey,
1: that's not likely,
0: but they, they were up big on the chiefs and couldn't seem to hold a lead. So what do I know? <laughs> we shall find out getting the, rid I'll of continue.
1: Deshaun Watson. will That'll help them. That'll help them do that this time.
0: That'll help them not win those games again. We'll see. All right.
1: I said it's like the George Costanza. It's the George Costanza (laughs) opposite world, right? We'll just do the opposite of what any rational person would do, and the results would be better.
0: And It makes sense to me. I get that. Totally. All right. Anything else?
1: So that's it. That's all I have.
0: Okay. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I am Tony. (laughs) Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.